welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am here, as always, with Father Chuck. Hello, Father Chuck. Hey, what's going on, John Post? Hey, buddy. Uh, so we're here recording. Uh, Matt's not here with us, unfortunately. Uh, probably be with us again next week. Um, I, I sort of feel like if you're if you if any of our listeners are listeners to the How Did This Get Made podcast, which we of course uh, which we are of course big fans of, um, Matt is sort of the June <laughs> of our show in that June whenever, Raphael, yeah, because I feel like every time I've ever listened to a live episode, June is not there. That's very true. That's very true. I've noticed that. Usually she's on Skype. Right. They Skype her in. For like a minute or two, and then they lose connection with her. Yeah. Uh, or we, if you're a listener of Harmontown, uh, Matt has sort of become our, our Rob Schraub. And I, I think Matt is the only one that will probably get that. Yeah, I don't, I don't listen to Harmontown. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I know I Someday should. I know I should because it's like huge for you guys. You but. really can just jump in. I think you'd like it, man. I mean, I, I, you know, one day I'll do it. All right, so uh, we're going to move on. Uh, but before we move on, I, I think we should uh, say a little something about um, Harvey, the incident that happened over the weekend. Uh, saying they're saying it was uh, was like the the most powerful storm to hit uh, the U.S. coast since Katrina. Yes, and I think it's our first Category Four storm to hit since Wilma. Oh, really? Or whatever, yeah. yeah. Because I guess, what, Katrina was Category 5, right? Right, Katrina was 5. And Wilma, was Wilma 4? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Wilma, which we had experience with, because Wilma was the one that you and Keelan wrote, and Matt and Brand, uh, Matt Brandis and, um, and Paul wrote out. Um, yeah. And, and true. I missed out on, because I was in North Carolina, but right. that was Wilma. She, she packed a wallop. She did, and uh, yeah, I, I, I did some irresponsible things during that. <laughs> uh, so I can imagine what it was like in Houston, and I, I've seen the photos, of course, and, and uh, wow, I can't believe the the devastation that's happened there. And yeah, and really, uh, and, and mostly from the rain, which is something that that yeah. when when being Floridians, we are very familiar with hurricanes, right. and what we typically think of in hurricanes is wind wind's really the thing that's dangerous but th- this was completely different in that it was rain right. um and i read uh, i read uh, even today a, a, an article i think it was in the atlantic that was talking about how because of the thing that basically humans humans have begun one of the most significant water redirection campaigns um in history because of our industrial work um <laughs> That because uh-huh. of climate change, we're putting more water in the atmosphere than has probably like almost as almost, you know, than we've ever experienced as a species. And we are and now that's really the issue is that we are seeing more rainfall from these kinds of incidents right. than we would normally see or whatever. Um so and so and we see it. I mean, and 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 currently, as you and I are talking, JP. I mean, this is the waters are starting to recede, and that's when we're going to start finding the real toll of everything. Yeah, and I was actually just uh, reading earlier about the the Saldivar family. I don't know if you heard about them. Mm-mm. 
Um, it was uh, these four kids and their grandparents that got oh, swept away. Yes, I did hear about that. Yeah. Uh, tragic. Really sad. Yeah, a lot of um, lot of sad stories, uh, you know, coming out of it. But I gotta say, um, considering like we just last week did our episode on heroes, and the week before that we talked about Charlottesville, some of the photos have been really amazing to me because, you know, part of the res- the, the rescue effort has largely been volunteer based, mm-hmm. and it's whoever's got a boat, airboat, whatever. Yeah, and uh, you're 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 a Texan, somewhat JP. Um, <laughs> Somewhat, I am a Texan yeah. star. <laughs> um, so I hope you forgive the stereotype, but I think you could agree with it that chances are, if you own a boat, you're a redneck. Um, um, yeah, sure. You're you know, around uh, water, Jason. But I mean, you know, you got a lot of people. Anyway, uh, the, the point being is, <laughs> some of the photos that I was seeing would look like what what you would call some good old boys. Yeah, in their airboats and their fishing boats going through. And pulling out of the water, black folks, Hispanic mm-hmm. folks, mm-hmm. and seeing in a lot of the photos, you know, a, a multi-ethnic effort that's going on, you know, right. black folks helping white folks and vice versa. And it, it, it really shows the antithesis of what we saw in Charlotte and how when we can see our common, hu- like when it comes right down to it. Our common humanity and saving lives is something that takes an immense amount of precedent over our differences. And I just I, I just think that that's it's a good counterpoint to some of the stuff we've seen lately. Yeah. Um, is is as tragic as this storm has been. And 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 we don't even fully know how precisely how tragic it's been right. yet. Um, the, the 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 goodness on display from people being neighborly risking their lives to save each other um has been really remarkable oh yeah i think so too and uh i i've i've seen the same photos chuck i I saw one my favorite one was uh you know they have the national guard down there right and uh one of their like massive (laughs) military trucks was like stuck got I guess got stuck in some bayou or something and a, uh, some dude with like a massive truck with like Ray that was like raised on like these huge wheels was able to like haul it out of the water. Like a monster <laughs> truck basically. Yeah. Like <laughs> grave digger awesome. comes along and like pulls out <laughs> the national guard. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. That is uh, awesome. So yeah, there's definitely is a, a really great display of volunteerism that's going to happen. I, I think that's something that doesn't get, uh, enough attention is our country's spirit of volunteerism. Uh, right. When, it, when a disaster like this happens, it really, you really do depend on the volunteers. Like if it's a big enough scale, like it's not just the national guard, it's not just local law enforcement. It's not just rescue workers, but we they, like, they need the help of everybody. Well, you know, I got to say some of the photos, I, you can tell that there are, you know, there, there, there's a contingent of people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the good old boy type, where they buy these big jacked up trucks with snorkels and like all terrain stuff. They buy these boats and they buy them because they're like, you know what? There's going to be an incident one day and I'm going to need this. So they've been like living for this kind of moment, you know? Oh yeah. They totally do. Yeah. And so they're stepping up to the plate to do what it is that they, that they really want to do. And it's, it's kind of heartwarming. 
it's the it's the rural mindset, Chuck. That's that's mm-hmm. what I've learned being out here, working in these conditions, working on the farm, being in the country. Everybody like that's part of the lifestyle. It's just to be prepared for something awful happening, <laughs> like right. some kind of natural disaster, just so that like you you have something to do for right. one, and so that you can be involved with your community and help out like that like. Country people want to be heroes, man. Yeah, dude. They want to be heroes. Right, and why not? Let's let them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that being said, um, um, if you're listening to us and you're on the fence on on what to do, um, give money, contribute. Oh, yeah. Um, Red Cross, um, I'm going to give a shout out as an Episcopal priest uh, to Episcopal Relief and Development, a great organization that is helping a lot of folks out. They have low overhead. Um, they don't have a huge staff. So you're, if, you're, if you're concerned about that your money is going to go to be paying a bunch of people's like desk job salaries, uh, Episcopal Relief and Development um, is a great organization, and they are doling out money like crazy um, yeah. to anyone and everyone who needs it. So um, and you, we'll, uh... look at them, you can look them up. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll post some stuff too. We'll attach stuff to this article and maybe post yeah. some stuff on our Facebook and social media. And if you want to yeah. give some of these organizations and help out a little bit, my uh, and, and if I can actually, I, I don't know, if she, I don't know if she listens to my podcast, but my my sister Luann, who lives down in, in Dallas, uh, she's actually uh, going down there this weekend. Oh, very good for her. She's on her way right now. She's going to be helping out on the uh, what's it called, uh, care flight uh, helicopters. Okay. So, yeah. That's cool. Shout out to my sis. Good and, luck. Uh, it, I know people don't like this, but give money. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there's always those people who say, like, we're going to give teddy bears and we're going to give this, we're going to give that. The problem is, is that there's no distribution mechanism. And so that stuff that you send often sits on runways um, getting ruined and you just created a garbage problem for a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's yeah. really an elaborate and expensive way to throw away some stuff. It's I, I understand that you're trying to do it out of the goodness of your heart, and that's great. That's commendable. You should be you should be celebrated for that. However, money really is the thing that's needed because the people on the ground know how they can spend it, what they can do with it, and how they can dole that out. I, you know, I know. Again, there's always worries about what to do. You know, who's going to use the money for what? But look, that's beside the point. Give money. It's easy. You can click. Give money. Yep. Exactly. All right. So All right. now that we've talked about Harvey and the tragedy and, and, the, and also the goodness, what, what are we talking about this eve? Um, on this episode, we're going to talk about the ichthys. The, the, the what? The, the ichthys, or as some people refer to as uh, the Jesus fish. The Jesus fish. Can I start off by a little anecdote? Yes. You're the moderator. Um, you can do whatever you want. Well, let me start off with an anecdote. Um <laughs> When I was a little kid, uh, I used to see these things everywhere because I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, the Bible Belt. And uh, I think I had to have been like maybe eight or nine. I actually was under the impression that uh, that was actually like a, like a car uh, uh, manufacturer. Oh, that's like it was. A... <laughs> yeah. Until until my mom bought one and put one on our Wagoneer. Um, you guys had a Wagoneer? Yeah, dude. Oh. It was a 1985 Red Wagoneer. Oh, I love that vehicle. And uh, it was actually my first car when I turned 16 got my driver's license. Oh, man. I didn't know that about you. Now yeah, I'm dude. super jealous. <laughs> uh, we bought it in 1985, so it was in our family for quite a long time until we sold it because it was uh, it was having some problems. The gas – <laughs> it was my first car, 
and the gas gauge didn't work. So I always ran out of gas all the time. Yeah, my, I had a pickup <laughs> truck that did that. And um, so what I did was I, I would follow um, how much um, I, I, would, I did mileage, like trip mileage. I knew that I could get yeah. about like you know, a couple hundred, you know, 300 miles or something out of the tank. So like every 300 miles I was refilling and resetting my gas gauge or my, yeah. uh, my, my trip gate, my trip counter. Cool. But, uh, so, so the, the, ick, the, ick this, yes. Uh, Chuck, why don't you, um, enlighten our audience and, and, uh, why don't you tell us, do you, do you know the history behind the, ick this? where does it come from? How did it, uh, well, it's, what does it mean? It's, it's a thing that it, it's, from the second century, um, in the year of our Lord, um, some, so sometime in the, in the, in the one hundreds or whatever, um, it was, um, a symbol that was used, um, as for Christians to, uh, just to, to denote who they were, who each other, who each other was and whatnot. Um, and part of the reason why I was picked is obviously to somewhat, obviously it's a fish, um, Jesus, many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. St. Peter, St. Andrew, Josh, uh, John, and James um, were fishermen. And Jesus gave the call to discipleship to them by saying, you know, you will become fishers of men. So that became a big deal. Um, but there was also the, a later thing where it was um, what some people call a backronym um, and a, and, or an acrostic um, where they had uh, taken the letters, the Greek letters of ichthys, um, and it would each letter stood for what would translate into English as Jesus Christ Savior. Jesus, uh, it was, right? Yeah, Jesus Christ was an of God. Oh, Savior. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. That's it. Son yeah. of God, Savior. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, um, and so it had some layered meanings, um, and then. It seems like it just sort of disappeared as a Christian symbol until like the mid '90s, where suddenly it came back. Okay, the mid '90s, really that 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 late? I, I mean, maybe I guess maybe it was happening in the '70s with the Jesus People movement. I don't know. You, I think you did a little <laughs> more research on this than I did, but I just remember uh, I had never seen that symbol until suddenly it was on everyone's car in the '90s. Yeah, I mean that's definitely when it became a thing. I, that, that's when. Uh... <laughs> there's actually there's an episode of Seinfeld where uh yes with Putty yeah they find out Putty has become a quote born again Christian unquote because uh, they find a Jesus fish in his car or something well no, um, it starts where uh, Elaine is driving his car and all of his radio presets are Christian songs yeah. Christian, music, Christian stations and then she That's later funny. she later pries the Jesus fish off his car to bring to Jerry and the gang as evidence <laughs> that he's become Christian I remember that thing. I remember George being like, "I like Christian music. <laughs> it's positive. It's not like those other rock stars. I think they're so cool. They're so cool with their <laughs> with their hip shoes, with their complicated <laughs> yeah. shoes, something like that." <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess it was kind of a big thing. I, maybe in the '90s is when they started putting it on their cars, right? I, I guess. I mean, yeah. that must have been when that technology, the ability to make like <laughs> an emblem, car. not a not a bumper sticker, an emblem, an emblem. Yeah. yeah, and uh, there's a myth out there. I don't know if it's true or not, but there's this myth that when Christianity, when Christians were persecuted in the Roman Empire, they would do this thing where they would draw half of it with their foot in the sand, and if they were in front of another another Christian, the Christian would 
finish it with the other foot as huh. a sign that they were Christians. I don't know. I've, I've never seen evidence or read anything that indicates that that was true. Um, it honestly sounds, to be kind of honest with you, a little bit like what people do in like truck stop bathrooms. <laughs> um, so I don't know, but I can't even draw a good fish with my foot. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I had also seen on uh, some various YouTube videos, uh, especially the Smithsonian Channel. They had said that uh, it was used in ancient times when, when Christianity was sort of <clears throat> a look looked down upon um, as dirt for it was used by the underground church as a way to kind of denote that, like. If, if you found like a, an apartment or something with that symbol, that meant like this is a safe dwelling for, for Christians if you want to hide or whatever. Yeah, kind of like, any... yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I can see that kind of, it, it always makes you think of like in Blade. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the it's, that little sign. <laughs> it's a safe house, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some truth to that maybe. You know, I, I've also heard that, you know, someone could draw it on the ground and it would sort of point to the direction of a church. Huh. Um, I find that one hard to believe because if people were sort of rooting out Christians to execute them, chances are you don't want to have like a symbol on the ground. But that's probably true. Um, but you know, it, 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 there was you know there was times of persecution, there were times of not. So you never you, you never know. But it does have a lot of obscurity to it. And but I will say that the thing to me that's become really fascinating about it is the way that it's become sort of this kind of alternative Christian symbol representative yeah. of what, you know, kind of what we might call the definitely evangelicalism, but you might even say, say the non-religious Christians have started to gravitate yeah. to that symbol because on one, on one hand, there's this weird aversion to the cross mm-hmm. for some people. And there's this claim that the ichthys is an older Christian symbol than the cross, which is just patently untrue. That doesn't um, make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but like, Okay, we went to Palm Beach Atlantic, Palm Beach Atlantic University, JP. Mm-hmm. That school loved the ICFIS. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had them incorporated in, like, that, in, like, that, um, there's that. I'm sure there were some landmarks that had it. Well, they had, like, they, they had them all over the campus and sort of arranged in, like, a cross shape on the handrails of all the buildings. Oh, that's what and, that was. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, school loved that symbol. They had it uh, on the stained glass windows in the chapel. Um, no, yeah, the ichthys was like the hidden Mickeys of uh, right. PBA. Yeah. The hidden Mickeys, oh my <laughs> in fact, In fact, if you get a helicopter view of PBA, it is in the shape of a giant ichthys. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's, it's not, but that's funny. <laughs> We should we should we should just tell people to go to Google Earth and that's what they'll find. We should just put that on the Wikipedia entry <laughs> and see who notices. That'd be funny. There are put that facts like there are a total of three thousand ectuses hidden throughout campus. <laughs> <laughs> and so my new hobby is just vandalizing our school's Wikipedia. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to check and see if I'm still on it. I I, <clears throat> I think you are. Hold on, let me see. It's been a while. Listeners, if you want to go to Palm Beach Atlantic University's Wikipedia article, you'll notice among its uh, notable alumni listing, you will find one John Spencer Post, moderator of the Masters of Divinity podcast and farmer. 
and farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there I am. Uh, right, right below Martin David Kiar, current member of Florida House Representative, and right above Lizbeth Benequisto, current member of the Florida Senate. So that's a good place to be. Nice. I is think. there is do we do we have an entry? Do we have a, a an entry on Wikipedia? Is the master no. of divinity? We need to do that. Yeah, that'll help keep you on there. So are, I, I'm going to guess that you're uh, you're in red text. Yeah, I don't know how to change it. Well, because you, you have to link to something else, JP. So if we had a Wikipedia page for the Masters of Divinity and you link to that, oh, that's sort of like being verified, and you're less oh. likely to get deleted. How much does it cost? I don't think it costs anything. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to do Wikipedia. I just. Uh, I was just messing around. Oh, well, whatever. That's fantastic, though. I, I think it's great that you're <laughs> moderator, co-host of the Master Divinity, and farmer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's. We should just make this is make this is in this page. Yeah, we should. I think. Yeah. Anyway, we. I think we suggested this episode and this topic as part of our like ongoing Christian curiosities bit. Yeah, but this actually kind of turned out to be somewhat disappointing because there's not a whole lot to it. There's no, other... there's no juicy, weird story behind it. Right. I, I wish there was. I wish. I, I think wish... it's just a corporate greed thing. Like, hey, let's just let's just use this thing and uh, we'll make money off of it. Is is it trademarked? No, I, I did look up if it was trademarked, and, and it's it's not trademarked. Oh, well, that's good because um, be because weird. it's an because it's it's basically an ancient symbol, so like you can't really because right. you can't really trademark. Like it'd well, be like tra- it'd be like trying to trademark a crucifix, you know. Well, I guess one thing we could do is a couple of things I, I do want to talk about is is the usage of it. In I mean, like you, you know, you see it in the phone book and stuff. It lets you know it's a Christian business, so it kind of fits that you know safe house image idea right there, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, but what, what I, there's a couple of things I see in people's cars that I, I kind of want to acknowledge about it, and the first is. And this is something I've started seeing in recent years where people have like two big ichthuses or ichthai mm-hmm. and then they – ichthoi? I don't know. If, if, if Father <laughs> Fun were here, he would tell me what the proper Greek plural is. Um, but it, then they – and they have a smaller one for each child in their family. Oh, Lord. And what is that supposed to – because isn't the the fish supposed to be like if it's a, if it's the Moloch of Jesus? Are you trying to say that like all your kids are Je- like I, I just I guess you're all Christians? I don't know. It's just very weird. And then of course there is the lovely parodies like the Darwin fish, which even in my Baptist days I thought was hilarious. <laughs> oh, the fish with the feet on it and stuff. Yeah, and it's a Darwin. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you got the petty christian reaction where it was the uh it was the jesus fish eating the darwin fish i've seen that oh, yeah. Yeah. um and uh <laughs> pumper sticker wars or emblem then, wars right and then you got and then you got the ufo one which i think is funny that's a good one there's also spaghetti monster one, and then of course spaghetti monster yes oh and my favorite actually i saw this one today i'm doing my research check there's actually there's a star trek one Really? And it's it's the ichthys, but it's the shape of the inter, the Enterprise, <laughs> and okay. it's and it says Trek on the inside. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. See, my my my, uh, my former bishop Leo Friday, um, you knew his, you could recognize his car because again, Christian bishop in the Episcopal Church, he had a Darwin fish on his car. <laughs> <laughs> Some nice. people were really mad about that. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, like that's that's like a big, like uh, you know, they, they, I mean, people think it's like a big middle finger, but it's just you know. He thought it was funny. It's just kind of a weak sauce. Yeah, jab if you ask me. But you know, but it's yeah, Christian symbols. Maybe we should have just done a whole episode on Christian symbols. But like, probably. Um, but there the, is one. I mean, the the original ichthys I actually thought was pretty interesting. Before it was, I guess, before it was a fish, or maybe it was like an alternative. It was just like it was it was the initial Greek letters, right? But like overlaid on top of each other. Yeah, so it looked like a circle or whatever. So it's just a circle with a bunch of lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that's interesting. Actually, um, I put that on my. Uh, I don't know why, but when we wrote our memoirs in high school. Um, I put that on my cover. <laughs> oh yeah, the the old school ichthys. Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, so it's it's mostly used by evangelicals, right? Or I guess you said your your bishop friend used it too. Bishop friend, my, you mean my bishop? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, mostly used by evangelicals, sort of as like a uh, an alternative to a cross or, or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and I, I guess I get, I, I, and that's, I don't know, that's... That's kind of some sort of evangelicalism in a way, right? Like, it's it's the nicer symbol. Well, I mean, <laughs> for, for a denomination that's not very nice, um, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Nashville Statement. Oh, Lord. Oh, Maybe gosh. we should talk a little bit about the Nashville Statement. <laughs> um, for listeners who don't know what the Nashville Statement is, the Nashville Statement um, came out like two days ago um, from when we're recording this. Um, it was a statement signed by something like 2000 Southern Baptist and evangelical Christian leaders uh, denouncing any kind of support for um, LGBT persons in the church and seeing it as a perversion of what God intends. Um, I, I, we introduced it to JP today. Uh, JP read the first paragraph and I think broke a computer yeah, because it already starts off with like it, right off the bat, there's already like a self victimization thing going on, right? And it's like the, that's the reason why we're doing it. It's like like we, we we can't do anything unless we first state that we're doing this because we're oppressed and afraid. Yeah, and I I've it's just, it's just that's such a bizarre thing. And we've talked about this in the podcast several times. It's just such a bizarre mindset because. On one hand, it's not exactly true when you sort of represent a significant chunk of the population. Um, But the other is that all you come across as doing is that you're trying, and this is something that Matt would talk about, I think, that all you're trying to do, the way that I see it, is you're trying to rail against society at large and trying to change it so that you can remain comfortable. Right. Um, you know, cause it, it always sounds to me like you just don't like, like what's the excuse? Like, what am I going to tell my kids? I don't know. Two, sometimes two daddy, two, two men love each other. Done. End of story. Nobody um, cares what you have to tell your kids, <laughs> you know, but like, there's that whole thing about like, what am I going to tell my kids? I don't know. So we're going to structure entire, our entire society over the fact that you don't want to have a difficult conversation or an uncomfortable conversation with your children. That's kind of crappy. Right. Um, but 
anyway, I, I, it's a complete tangent. I just had to acknowledge <laughs> it because it's it's so frustrating and you know and, and and just it's a good counterpoint as you said like it's like the ichthys is the nice christian symbol because i guess it's sort of the mindset for the people who don't like the cross right because the whole thing about the cross is like it's bloody it's violent um it was a symbol of torture and execution so why are we elevating that even though the first christians elevated that symbol but mm-hmm. um so it's like you know oh the fish is a, it's just you know and it fits the evangelical mindset because we're fishers of men. We're going out and converting right. people and evangelizing and all of that, I guess. But I don't know. It's just it, it's always been a strange. It's just it's a strange thing to me, and it's such a strange thing looking at it now from where I'm at, having come through that world and looking back on it. At just all of the intense rejection of our history as Christians yeah. for. For, for for no reason really at all. <laughs> for people who are obsessed with uh, the idea of tradition and conserving a, a certain way of life, and uh, they really want to do away with things that have, I don't know with actual tradition. Right. Right. Uh, you know what I think it is, Chuck. What? Vampire conspiracy. And how? <laughs> Uh, how do you sorry i'm i'm laughing and coughing how do you how do you see it as a vampire conspiracy i mean come on you know introducing an alternative to the cross which is one of their most major weaknesses oh i mean it's it's the one it's the one weapon you can use against a vampire that requires zero skill that's a good point Stake to the heart. You got to know how to brandish those things. Like you got to know how to like, you got to get close to them. You got to fight them. You got to stake them in the heart or, you know, sneak up on them or something while they're sleeping and, and you know, use a hammer or whatever it's Peter Cushing did. Uh, but you know, if there are no more crosses, you know, little kids who can't fight vampires, they'll, they'll be defenseless. That's a really good point. Hmm. Unless the, unless the ichthys can be used against a vampire. I don't know. Well, like, could you put the ichthys in, like, a cruciform shape? Could you take, like, two ichthoi and, like, stick them together and, like, make a cross shape? Would that do it? Like, those shields at PBA that are, like, shaped that are, like, <laughs> would, that, would that hurt a vampire or would a vampire just laugh at that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think PBA is run by vampires, but. Well, I mean, you were going to make a movie about that <laughs> at one point. So, um... Probably. You know what? Peter Cushing did it. You know, movie. Oh, you know what so. I realized? Okay, okay. What? So check this out. All right. So a vampire cannot worship at like my church because we understand that my church is a consecrated space. So they right. can't enter it. On top of that, there's crosses everywhere. So that would be a problem. We have a basin of holy water. Um, mm-hmm. We have the sacrament of, 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 the, of the altar. You know, the wafer, I think, is, a, is an issue or whatever. Um, so... Like, is this, are there vampire Christians? And so they're just creating a church because evangelical churches, like, they don't consecrate their buildings. They don't really believe in the sacramental nature of baptism or anything. It's just water. And they don't have crosses in their buildings. I'm telling you. This is for vampire Christians. Evangelicals are are being marched right into the serpent's mouth by the vampire menace, and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. You don't even know it. Bless their hearts. It's the only way to explain the super strength of Pat Robertson. (laughs) <laughs> have you seen that guy he can like like squat through us like a like a like 20 pounds or something i have seen that actually it's it, i yeah 
it's amazing. Although I think he's getting help. Oh, I'm but, I, the Holy Spirit help or un, <laughs> undead help. The, the unholy spirit. The unholy. Um, yeah, or like, I mean, it also explains. Oh, you know what, JP? Yeah. It all comes back around. You know what's in those baker buckets? <laughs> the victims. The. <laughs> It's just all blood. Just <laughs> no, 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 no. The vampires have drank the blood, and then like the bloodless husk of their victims. Uh, oh Lord! Because like, oh, like, oh my gosh! Or I think about it. So like the numbers of evangelical churches. Here's this. This adds to it, man. We're creating conspiracy. <laughs> so the so the number so the numbers of evangelical churches are stagnant. Basically, there there as many people are leaving as are coming into evangelical churches. I tell you mm. what, they're not actually leaving, bro. <laughs> They're food. They're being, they're, <laughs> they are food wow. for the vampire overlord. Yep, it's true. Uh, you, you know who's helping Pat Robertson with his with his squat thrusts? Who? Coach Ferratu. Coach Ferratu. <laughs> what was that? The character? Please tell me that was the character for for freaking vampires. No, that's actually from Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't watched any of the new season. Uh, I think it's from season two, actually, when he turns into Little Rick. Okay. It's been a while. I'm bad. I'm a bad fan. It's okay. So I think think we figured it out, JP. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to bust this wide open. That's right. Yeah. And they're running the government because the the evangelical council is, like, big with Trump. (sighs) Oh. How does this factor in with the lizard people? Um, I don't know. I was pretty convinced by your cracker article that you sent me that lizard people don't exist. <laughs> but when I but when I look at Eric Trump, <laughs> I, I do that see a, that is a man, that that is a person in a skin suit. That's what that is. <laughs> my favorite. He's like favorite. he's like that. He's like that roach in the skin suit in the first Men in Black movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, actually, what's funny though, like I, my favorite description of Eric Trump was, is uh, he looks like an Eastern European vampire you'd see in the background of a Blade movie. Just a background <laughs> character. That's good. Yeah. See, he's one of the vampires, JP. He's like a blood dealer. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Oh. Um, so, are there other? Uh, are there other Christian symbols that were kind of popular around the same time as the Ichthys that we could probably popularize now and put on our card? Well, we've talked about WWJD. That's true. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what other symbols that could be. I mean, you know, the Catholic Church has a bunch of stuff floating around, you know. But yeah. Um, but you know, the Ichthys just I, – I don't know that it ever got usurped. I don't know if there's – you know, every now and then here at the church, we get this random like evangelical Christian like catalog with stuff to to buy, and I, that's why I keep my foot in the door over like what new thing is going on. <laughs> really? I'm trying to think if I've seen any kind of new like emblems, and I can't think of any. I mean, I've got I, someone gave me this uh, cube that I've got here on my desk, and it's the the armor of God, and it's just a random. <laughs> it looks like the lament configuration from Hellraiser. <laughs> I just look at the, the helmet. Um, I feel like if you play with it, like 
pinhead's gonna pop out of it and <laughs> it's the puzzle box yeah <laughs> it's kind of the limit configuration yeah give me a, a mixture of pleasure and pain yeah <laughs> such delights um <laughs> This, uh, can I just acknowledge this episode has taken a weird turn? <laughs> this might be our weirdest episode. Probably. We're getting pretty. I don't know. This it's kind of turning into a horror podcast a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think our weirdest one are our are, are aliens episodes, like especially the one that you and I did a few months ago, and it was just you and me talking about aliens and conspiracies. Oh yeah, how we talked about that we wanted to be members of the Galactic Federation of Light. Yes, that got weird, but like in a really good way. Well, hey, you know, getting back to that episode, and we should have talked. Dang it, why didn't we talk? about the eclipse at all because oh, I know. the eclipse was awesome and the other thing is is that uh, how is that holographic moon doing that <laughs> is is the is the group moon hologram That's graphic or is rejecting holograms you said the moon oh you're right it's a giant space station that's projecting holograms it's projecting yeah the fake covering on the on the lizard people right yeah the moon's not a hologram it's it's a hollowed out space station <laughs> that's or right. It's Satan blown up a hundred times. Yeah, I've heard of that one too. It's... <laughs> the, the inflated, like that's the one I sent you the other day, right? Yeah. <laughs> Satan inflated himself and yeah. blocked out the moon, and we've actually landed on him. That's my new favorite one. <laughs> we landed on the devil. Yep. Um, yeah, I. We, we again, we are taking a very weird direction <laughs> because. Because there's not enough information about the Jesus fish <laughs> in and of itself for us to have a funny Christian Curiosities episode. Yeah, so we're just making Vampire and Hellraiser references and Unless, the Eclipse. And... I don't know. Is there a way to fit this whole thing into Jesus was a spaceman and that's like <laughs> the shape of his craft because it's sort of cigar-shaped? I don't Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that. I could probably see that. It's kind of like a rocket if you turn it on end. Yeah, it does kind of look like the rocket from Futurama now that I think about it. Yeah, you sort of turn it on end and it, you know, and it's the yeah. – there we go, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been there all along. So, Dan Brown, here's your book. <laughs> um, are there other symbols like in your denomination that are that kind of have like the same kind of notoriety as the Ichthys? Like we have, We have the cross. Besides the cross, like, is there any any other? No. Know, somebody want to put on a car? <laughs> no. The, the only thing that I've seen, the seems some Catholics do, and I actually think it's kind of cool. I've seen is a symbol of um, of a chalice and host. Um, yeah. yeah, that kind of is a symbol. I mean, the rosary, you know, images of the rosary. There's like a particular one that I've seen a lot of cars where it's like a rosary, but then it sort of it sort of shapes into the Virgin Mary's like profile. Um, I've seen that on a lot of cars. Um, we have something here. It's, um, it's, I don't know what it is. I should probably Google this. It's called the blood of Jesus or, um, sangre de, de Jesus. I could see it in Spanish as well as, um, as well as in English on people's cars. And I don't know if it's like some kind of Catholic lay order or, or what it is, but I see that on a lot of cars, um, Hmm. in like Lake Worth area. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a ton of Christian symbols. I mean, um, oh, you know, which one, here's one that is very popular, um, in, in like 
you know, traditional types and, and heavily more, more, more ritualistic churches is um, the Celtic knot, which is also kind of popular in evangelicalism oh, okay. for a while. The, you know, the triple knot it was POD's logo, um, mm. you know, and that's a Trinitarian symbol right. that comes out of um, Celtic religious practice, um, which actually has um, Druidic origins. Mm. Um, it's a Druid, it's a Druidic symbol that has been, that was adopted by Christians. Oh yeah, yeah. It's also used in uh, in Charmed. Yes, it was on the their like magic book or whatever. It's on the cover of the you saw it in the, the title sequence. Oh, Charmed. Yeah. Um, is that the same thing as the the Triskelion? Like, am I thinking of a? No, the Triskelion. There's a, they're similarly related, but the Triskelion is um, three swirls. Oh, okay. Um, it's I mean similar concept. The idea is that it's sort of like a triple figure eight kind of thing, but. Right. It's um but there it's more of a pinwheel type look to it than than mm-hmm. um than the than the than the um the Celtic knot. I just realized something. Yeah. I just remembered something. I remember reading in articles and you were talking about symbols and things, right? So in the Episcopal Church we have shield. And yeah. one of the symbols that we that you see in a lot of shields looks kind of like the Jesus fish, but without the little tail lines on it. And it's sort of like a diamond-esque shape. And I remember reading, like, last year or year before, that that symbol is actually representative of a vagina. Wait, really? <clears throat> yes. It goes – there's, like, Celtic symbols and things like that that have it. It is a – it is – yes. And there are some people think that that the, the, the that ichthys as we see – because here's the thing. is like if you look at old images of the ichthys – <clears throat> like uh, you see some inscribed on tombs and things. It's just a fish. Like it's just a fish. There's no, that, that, that idea of it being sort of like a one line shape. And it's, it seems weird, right? Like to some of us that it's always oh, a vagina and haha, let's be immature about it. But actually there's, there's richness in that tradition. I can't believe I forgot about this. It just jarred in my memory. Well, who Whose is it? Does it belong to somebody? So, okay. It's good. We're going to get really weird. <laughs> really okay. weird. The vagina in the symbolism is kind of Jesus's. What? Yeah. Okay. See? So in a lot of artistic depictions, there's a, particularly in the middle ages in, in Western Christianity in the so Latin, what we call Roman Catholic Christianity. Um, the, a lot of the, a lot of the mystics um, place a ton of symbolic weight on Jesus being pierced in his side when he was crucified and that that wound um, where blood and water poured out um, and, of course, the tradition of, of uh, Joseph of Arimathea capturing the blood in, a, in, in the Holy Grail and all that stuff comes out of that. But that, that symbol, because it's sort of the sign that Jesus had died and his, and his blood and everything has been shed, is by some seen as the moment when the church was born because his, board pour, his blood poured out. And so the shape of a spear wound is going to have kind of an oblong eye-type almond shape. And so a lot of the mystics made connections to the shape of the, of the spear wound and the shape of a vagina, which is where, a, where, where you know, children are born from. Right. And so the idea that the church is born from the wound of Christ... That that symbol that that there so that there's a connection there and so over time when they stylize the ichthys that it's actually a hidden 
um, it's a hidden thing. That's fascinating to me. The fish in and of itself, the ichthus, which is the Greek word for fish, um, that is the acrostic for that, you know, Jesus Christ, son of God, whatever that whole symbol, that whole, that whole thing is its own deal. When we're talking about specifically that fish that shows up on cars, that very particular design that we see, it is drawing on this other tradition. (gasps) Excuse me. And so, like I said, it's weird. If we're immature about it, we giggle about it. (laughs) But looking at the Christian mystical tradition, it has some richness and depth to it. Right. And one could argue that it shows a deep feminist notion in the Christian faith. Well, that's interesting, Chuck. Uh, Fascinating. Um, Yeah, and uh, since I'm on it, I'll just keep talking about mystical Christianity because there's there's some interesting stuff. Like, so, since we're talking about symbols, Robert Langdon, of course, is a character that comes up because of the of the um, the Dan Brown novels um, dealing right. with you know um, angels and demons and the Da Vinci Code and 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 all of that. Um, so, also in the Middle Ages, was this belief that John the Evangelist married Jesus. So the tradition goes that John the Evangelist was the bridegroom at the wedding in Cana. So when Jesus turns the water into wine, John is so impressed by this that he decides that he's going to dedicate his life to following Jesus, and he leaves his bride, uh, decides to not get married. Well, then after the crucifixion, resurrection, and then later ascension of Jesus, when John is um, doing missionary work, he, he decides he wants to get married again, and... Um, and Jesus, and Jesus shows up and, and stops that marriage too. Um, and so ultimately it comes down to this thing that John realizes that the only, like the only love that he has is for Jesus. And so there are these, there are these medieval images that depict a sort of celestial wedding between John the evangelist and Jesus. And this artistic motif in the early Middle Ages among the mystical tradition was so prevalent that, and possibly even dealt with um, some issues of censorship from the church. That's speculation on my part, by the way, so don't quote me on that. Um, Citation needed. That that they feminized him a little bit, and that's what actually led to Dan Brown thinking that John the Evangelist was actually Mary Magdalene. When the truth is actually much, in some ways, weirder and in some ways more scandalous for the church. That it wasn't that Jesus was—so the church never was actually saying that, you know, if Jesus was married to anybody, it was John the Evangelist, not in a weird way. And, and all of this I bring up because some of our listeners are going to hear it, and they're going to say, what? Yeah. Um, and or that's fine. What? Or yeah, or they're just going to rage quit our <laughs> podcast if they haven't already, um, and that's fine, cool. Um, but what it, but to me, what it shows and why it's important is that Christianity has been comfortable with really weird stuff for a long time, 
And we've somehow turned it into this very respectable thing. And I, I just, as I'm talking, it goes back to the idea that the ichthys being stuck on people's cars and being like, oh, it's the nice symbol. Right. And really, it has its roots in this, you know, somewhat pagan past that then got adapted into a Christian tradition that's part of the mystical tradition, which is crazy weird, that deals with Jesus marrying a dude. And it gets us to this day where now we're, like, saying, like, oh, this stuff is completely incompatible with the Christian faith, when absolutely the history shows opposite, that for a lot of the Christian faith, we saw these things as much more part of our tradition. You know, did Mm -hmm. Jesus actually get married to John the Evangelist? No, I am not saying that that actually happened. I am what I am saying is that there was a medieval mystical tradition that indicated that a relationship that, that John the Evangelist saw himself so bound to Jesus that it would have been seen as a sort of celestial godlike marriage type situation. Right. Um, so I'm not saying that that happened, uh, that, that he actually had like a wedding ceremony or anything like that. Um, and the mystics have a very weird thing. And if you want to know more about them, read about them there. It's very interesting stuff for the, for Christianity. Um, and on top of that, like, again, we might be scandalized by the idea that the ichthys is symbolic of a vagina. But it is rooted in the idea of the birth of the church coming from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so on one hand, if you're going to use the ichthys as a replacement for the cross because you see the cross as bloody and torturous or whatever, well, guess what? The ichthys is actually rooted in the same event. Um, and so anyway... I'm giving a spiel. I don't know what the heck we're doing with this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually, you're kind of hitting a point uh, that sort of resonates with me, Chuck, which is kind of one of the reasons why I, I don't and never really liked being evangelical is because it's, it's, there was this tendency to sort of demythologize things. Right. You know? When I went to church, I didn't feel like I was going into a holy place, like a holy temple where I was like connecting with the universe. It's like going into this double wide with, you know, fluorescent lights. And I'm going to learn why we hate Democrats. (laughs) Yeah. And 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 yes, exactly that, because I developed a quiet obsession um, an interest. I mean, in, this is of course going to shock you, JP, with Zen Buddhism. I know, right? Shocker. The weeaboo, <laughs> the weeaboo member of the podcast was into Japanese Buddhism. Um, no. But I developed an obsession in, or an interest. I don't say obsession, but interest in it. And something that I always was drawn to by that was that same kind of thing you're talking about. There was a, there was there was something to it that I I couldn't give language to, but I knew it was different than what I was getting, what I was experiencing on Sunday mornings. That to me, what I was experiencing on Sunday mornings is kind of boring. You know, you put on a suit and tie and you walked into a space and you sang some songs and you listened to a guy talk for an hour and then you went home. And it wasn't until later that I realized what I was looking for was mysticism and mythology and spirituality. And it was once I came to the Episcopal Church that I, that I realized that that's what I was looking for and that Christianity actually had it all along. I didn't need to go to the Buddhists to get it. You know, right. the Christian, Christian, we had it. And so the more and more I read about it and the weirder and weirder stuff that I come across, which just fits into my whole obsession with, you know, Christian curiosities, um, I find that it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing faith with a lot of really amazing stuff going on. And 
it would scandalize most of the people I've grown up with to know that Christians who would see themselves as fully committed to their Lord and Savior would be comfortable with certain things that the rest of us would, you know, they would just be like, oh, that's inappropriate. That's wrong. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. But like people like St. Augustine and St. Teresa of Avila and all that, they were okay with it. Before we go, Chuck, and uh, listeners, I, I hope you, you feel educated uh, about the origins of the ichthys <laughs> and its purpose. Lord knows you will never see it the same way again. <laughs> um, I learned – I actually learned something else today, Chuck. Uh, I learned about – and this will apply to you. I learned about uh, Cameron's number. Cameron's number? Have you, ever, have you ever heard of uh, Cameron's number? No. Cameron's number is a mathematical um, uh, concept. Like the, the idea behind it is um, – okay, I was watching this YouTube video about uh, video games, about ports, and how um, – you know what video game ports are, right? Yes. Of course you do. Basically – like you take Sonic the Hedgehog and you put him on a Game Boy Advance. Right. Yeah. So like they would, these video game companies would like take these really highly anticipated games and then port them over. to like a Game Boy or something. And it was always really crappy. Uh, however, they would port other lesser known titles and crappy titles. Nobody liked that. Uh, and they ported them over, but they were like, great. It was like seamless. It was flawless. <clears throat> and apparently this is an example of what's called Cameron's Cameron's number, which is something that is beloved by nobody and anticipated by nobody. And uh, it's just kind of like given to them. And this is uh, – I guess they came with this concept because of Avatar because nobody is – because Avatar is not beloved and nobody's anticipating it. And yeah, we're getting four sequels. Not – not everybody. <laughs> Someone loves it. Someone's anticipating it. So Cameron's number is actually, it's Father Chuck. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, Cam. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I don't know. I can't find it anywhere online. I don't know if this guy made it up or not, but. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know. He, but there's he, also another one I learned in, in the comments section of the video was Cameron's Law, which is to sort of arbitrarily hate a piece of art. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, these are the kinds of things that we could talk about on like a further a further episode. I I realize as you were talking about video game ports, an episode that we need to do of this show is Which part is? of our Christian Curiosity series. We should do an entire episode on Wisdom Tree. Wisdom Tree. Oh, they're the, the video game company. Right? Yes. That, yeah, <laughs> that stole all those NES games and. Yeah. Pirated them, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, like, slap Christian language on them, and yeah. Totally. Oh, we should. That'd be fun. Well, that, that's a Father Fun episode. Oh, my gosh, yes. Of course, he's probably <laughs> never played one, but it would be it would still be good to have him on. Yeah. Cool. Should have had him on this one. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. <laughs> that's it. All. That's it. No, just a little <laughs> bit. Just... Nothing really going on in this episode. Nothing nothing weird. Nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> it's, uh... 
I think I, I was looking through old archives, and I think one of our episodes was one of our early episodes, like, like twenty or something, was entitled "What is even going on with this episode?" <laughs> and I, I think maybe the title of this one should be "What is even What is even going on with this episode, Volume 2. <laughs> what is even going on with this episode? Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh thank you so much for joining us uh father chuck thank you for making it you're welcome uh i wish matt were here you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a limb and say that <laughs> matt's gonna listen to this episode he's gonna say i'm glad i wasn't there <laughs> that's very true uh so thank you so much for listening uh, be sure to join us next week have a wonderful week and good journey good journey Just so-